So I'm just going to give, well, I'm going to read a quote from the beginning of the book because I feel like it really lays out, um, I mean, because we're reading this book and it's really good, but a good path for um, what we're going to talk about tonight. So the very first paragraph in this chapter, um, what we believe about God determines how we live our lives. Our theology affects everything about us, our decisions, our reactions to our circumstances in life, even how we will behave toward one another. This is true of everyone, even those who don't think they have a theological perspective. They may not have thought about their beliefs in the consciousness deliberate way, but their subconscious attitude and decisions are anything but random. What we believe about God drives everything we think and do. Um, so just going to give a little bit of a story about me and my family um, and why they assigned me this chapter <laughs> about the specially wrapped child. Um, and before we even get into that, every kid is specially wrapped. I have three kids. I have one that's on the spectrum that's high functioning. And so that kind of pertains a little bit to this chapter. But then his twin sister couldn't be more opposite and has her own way about her and challenges. And then my youngest um, really struggles with anxiety, which has been a whole other journey that I'm not even going to touch today. <laughs> but all of us have something that we struggle with. There's just, you know, what does it look like? So uh, for me personally, um, I know they sent in the sanctuary, um, Joe and Kathy's oldest daughter. So we were raised with such a good heritage, good examples of parents. I'm so blessed um, to have siblings that are believers and just parents that instilled in me well, that prepared me in so many ways for the things that were going to happen and God always has a plan. So um, I decided to go to Bible college after high school and ended up on a plane with my dad and one of his good friends and his daughter, who we grew up together. We were not like really friends. We we're both kind of just sitting there looking at each other, you know, like high schoolers that were too cool for anything. Um, and it was before the days of Google Maps or anything, and our dads would not ask for directions, taking us out to the Bible college. We kept getting lost, and they're like, we're adults, we can't get lost. And so we bonded over that experience, and by the time we got to the Bible college, we were asking to be roommates. Um, so the Lord ordered that in my life in a way that I never would have understood then. Um, so I came home from Bible college and uh, went to school, ended up working here a little bit um, and ended up at a pastor's wives retreat because I was working for my mom, listening to a different pastor's daughter teach Psalm 16. Um, so just the part that she went through um, Psalm 16, six, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who's given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and my flesh will also rest in hope. And when I heard her teach through that, it really kind of hit me like I have this godly inheritance and I related so well to what she was saying, kind of like, grabbed a hold of that as like, you know, people, everyone in Bible college is talking about their life first. Like, <laughs> and uh, I was like, I don't know if I really have that. And I feel like 
that the Lord really spoke to me and what she was sharing, it kind of like grabbed a hold of that and kind of didn't know what that would mean. So years later, I met my husband, we got married in April and found out that I was pregnant with twins in June. Um, and I had my twins in 2007 and then found out I was having another baby not long after, I think they were eight months old, uh, which was not my plan. Um, <laughs> so I had two one and a half year olds and an infant. Um, and so my dear sweet Bible college friend was years ahead of me already when I was having my twins, she was having her third. And I watched her struggle through a diagnosis with her own son and then another friend of ours also. And so I was watching my son and I kept saying to my husband, I think something is not right. And he's like, you just worry too much. It's because you're watching your friends. Like, and it kind of continued and we were kind of circling the drain with him. And finally he stopped sleeping. Um, And my dad had been telling us stories about this family at church who had a nonverbal son who hears so clearly from the Lord. Um, And this was before I had kids. So he told us stories and we would always be like, Dad, do you have another story about that kid? I was so excited to hear like what this kid had to say because he could tap out on this board and tell you the Lord told me to tell you. So the stories about them going into stores and he's pulling on his mom and she's like, no, we're not talking to that guy. We don't know. And he has this message from the Lord. Um, So as we're just like hitting all these dead ends, trying to figure out what to do with our son, he finally stopped sleeping. And um, my one friend, not that I went to Bible college with the other ones, had been talking to the mom of this boy who I still have never met. And she said, she wants to meet you um, after prayer Sunday night. So I had been like going all of these places. And if I hadn't been at prayer that Sunday night, I never would have met this woman. So in the middle of all of my like probably lowest moment, I could have stayed home and cried, which is probably what I wanted to do. Hadn't slept for like two weeks. He's in and out of his room. And I'm very um, task oriented. Like, just tell me how to solve it. Like, I'll take on anything. Yeah, Lord, I'm not going to be moved. Except for if you give me a kid that I don't know what to do with. Um, So I met her and she was like, come with me. I have a person. I'll take you. So I called her therapist and she was like, I can help you. Um, So we ended up going there. But in the meantime, she invited us over for dinner. So I've never met her family. I have all these little kids, two, three-year-olds and a two-year-old. I couldn't go anywhere because I couldn't control them by myself. I thought of like my son would like run away from me. And I'm like throwing the other two in the car, chasing him. So we went to their house and her son is staring at me. I just keep staring, which means he has something to say. So she's like, go get your board. I'm not going to say this. <laughs> so, well, let me back up a little bit. A couple of days before that, right before I met her, I was sitting in the house, like, watching my toddlers run around. I don't know that I could say. I very clearly, audibly heard the voice of the Lord often. But I was sitting in my living room. And the Lord, like, clearly impressed in my heart, are you willing to give me your son? And I said, no, out loud. <laughs> like, so, you know, like, you know, it's just like, nope. And I just kind of, like, caught myself off guard because I said it out loud. And things kind of got, like, harder, and then I ended up meeting this lady. So we go to the house for dinner, and 
he runs and gets his board and comes back and says, I can tell you have deep faith like your dad. And I'm already like, yeah, right. Like I'm falling apart. Um, And he was like, the Lord wants you to know that he loves you. You can't do everything, but you need to have faith and believe. And I'm just bawling. (laughs) I need to have faith and believe my God has a plan for my kid. And his mom's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like you said she has faith. Now you're saying that she doesn't. And I'm just crying. This kid that has never met me, that has this challenge so much greater than my kid is telling me, you need to have faith and believe that God has a plan. Um, So his story is amazing. And he is just one of my heroes. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. When he was 12, he's now in his 20s. Um, His mom went like all over the place, just like she was like, I know you're in there and I'm coming for you. So she went and got trained to teach him how to read, to do like so many things. So he finally learns to tap out on this board. And at 12, he writes this essay called The Calling on My Life, which I read because I feel like my son is high functioning. This is like her story is the story that's just so hard. You know, so he says, everyone thinks, I remember he can't talk. Okay, so he's sitting there. Everyone thinks that I'm stupid because I can't talk. Tiny moments of imminent gifts are revealed to me by God. At God's will, a skill developed by listening. The patience to feel inadequate, to know that kids wish that you weren't around, to go and play by myself. The days can be long. Before, we thought that I would talk However, now I understand that letting my life focus on the real work of bringing others to Christ is the answer to the prayer. The truth is that the force of the Lord in my weakness is the power of my testimony. The work of love by God sustains me, and floods of mercies, the God of all creation, makes the rotten enough to bear. The pride of others to believe in their own selves is lost on me. Every day I rely on God for the spirit to give me strength to survive the day. The people who get up and go out each day without God believe their effort is sufficient, but I need the Lord. In the world, the worthy worship self. In God's eyes, the only power humbles humbles itself before him. The understanding and the very belief of self, of the appeal to love yourself, eventually forces you to give up any hope in God's graces. Throughout my life, the need to rely on other people to speak for me has been difficult. Speech involves the working of muscles, which I can't seem to use properly. The life of wonder can only be accomplished by the work of Christ on the cross, not my muscles. I have some words now, but the sound of my voice gives me chills because it's the sound of pain and struggle. To um, The world takes words for granted. Um, The life of the mute should have every person thanking God for the blessing of speech. There's not many things you can do without talking. Um, The purpose of my life is to tell the lost about salvation offered by God. Think for a moment, how will a mute boy do this? The answer is so simple. The Lord relies on the children of the world to believe in the possibilities provided by God's grace. God will do a great work. Decide whether he can or not then understand that you see a real miracle before you. 
After years spent in the privacy of my own mind, I suppose that it's time to present my bold ideas. The calling of my life is to preach the word to the, to the lost. Fervent belief in the weakness of my own condition enables me to allow God to use my not speaking to bring others to Christ. The world passes by the broken. The fear to be without a voice escapes into my own desire to serve the Lord and leave to the inevitable his word. The word sustains me through the truth and the strength of the Lord. Therefore, I envision my life for Christ. With the love of the Lord, the word takes the weary to the places we never imagined. To be children of the real living God, effort belongs to God. So this kid has no limits in his ability to fellowship with the Lord. And I think, you know, most people, we think like we're normal, right? Like, and there's something going on there, but we all do have something. There's not, um, you know, something that makes us more normal than him, which kind of will jump us into where we're gonna, the best place to land, I feel like, in um, the word and what God has to say about. So if you turn to Psalm 139, And I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then um, we're going to look at a couple specific verses. So, oh, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there's not a word in my tongue, but behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. For where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost places of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide, from, hide me from you. But the night shines as day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that, you, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hid from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance be yet unformed and you, your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Um, so David's saying, Lord, I've found incredible consolation in who you are, right? Like his plan for us was laid out so far ahead of time. Um, his plan for me and what he had for me, the people that he put into my life, like I never could have known what he was doing, um, and if you're, if you're saved and we understand we have everlasting life, it should have ruined us for this world completely, right? Um, now stop 
and apply that truth to your kids' lives, right? Like, there's, there's a plan for them. Spurgeon said, we're made for eternity, and this present life is only the introductory part of our existence. Um, so, uh, like, years before all of this, I heard my brother Mike teach um, on Moses, and I don't remember the exact reference, but he said specifically holding everything in an open hand before the Lord. So things that I thought that I knew, and then I had kids. Like, yeah, my life, do whatever you want with it, but this little person, it was hard for me to hold him in an open hand, which I, was a part of me I didn't know was there um, with doubt and fear, not something that I would like identify myself with, but in looking at him, was I willing to hold him in an open hand before the Lord? I feel like that's something when you have a kid with a challenge, small or great, it's something that you learn very early. I feel like it's something with a kid that had a more normal process, you probably struggle with a little more when they're in junior high, when they're a teenager. It's not something you're thinking about really when they're a baby, but watching my son had to say, okay, like I just kept thinking every week where we would have some horrible thing, we'd think about our friend saying to me, you need to have faith and believe. Like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna hold him in an open hand before you, it doesn't matter how hard this week was. My husband was working a lot. I was doing therapy on my own. Um, I don't remember my friend who's here tonight calling me saying, you need to talk to somebody. You need to make sure you talk to somebody because I didn't realize until later I was really sad and depressed and it was hard. Um, and it, that's okay. We have emotions and feelings and there are gonna be hard things. So the, my problem was in my saying no, right? I was being moved because I wasn't comfortable but I needed to open my hand and trust that the Lord had a plan. Um, Mary Thompson, when she shared a couple weeks ago, said, let go, but keep watch at the same time. And you know, and she was saying that for a very different reason. We're talking about prodigals, but it's true. You let go, but keep watch at the same time. I remember, I'll never forget my friend saying to me, we're sitting in the hallway watching uh, the fifth graders do this thing called Statuary Hall where the kids have to be some person from history and give this speech. So I'm watching her son, who's so far ahead of my son. He was in fifth grade. My son was only four, I think, at the time. And she was like, when they're little, there's heartbreak over what you're seeing, what you think might happen. And then they, they're older and there's heartache because you're watching and there's things you can't stop and you're watching other kids hit milestones and my husband and I always joke that the struggle was ours more than it was our son's. He did not care. (laughs) He would sit in the lunchroom with these noise blocking headphones on, could care less. And he's the same. He's in high school now and he does not care what's happening. He will, (laughs) one time our neighbors across the street, we just recently moved, but they're not saved. And we got out of the car and he was like, Hey, do you have Bibles? And I'm like, ready to run in the house but he just doesn't care it's who he is it's the lord ingrained that into him and he has no shame he's not swayed by the things around him which i love those things about him the hard things have woven such beautiful deep sweet things into my life um i would never change that but i feel like that's hard when they're little to have that struggle you feel like you should kind of be learning later 
right? Like this heartbreak and heartache about what's going to happen. Um, but let go and keep watching at the same time. That truth applies for so many, many reasons. Um, so we're going to park in verse 13 a bit. Um, where he says, you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Um, so I wrote all, all, all of our days were written out before we were born. That means every laugh, every celebration, every emotion, every hardship, every tear, every moment in thankfulness, every moment in heartbreak, all written out before we were born. God's truth is truth, and it applies to everyone, not just who we are and who we've identified as and what we think is normal, right? It applies to absolutely everyone, which can be hard uh, for us to understand. Lord, you knew my kid was going to face this hardship. We're going to, our family was going to face this thing. Um, Pastor Joe said, understand it doesn't say that the Lord wrote it all out. It says that he foreknew it. He knew ahead of time what was going to happen in your life when he formed you. Um, and there are things that the fall brings into our lives that are hard, and it's true. Um, Spurgeon again said that word cover. You covered me in my mother's womb. Um, and the original word has the idea of protecting, to interweave, to build like a safe structure, a hut or a covering over something. The Lord is so intimately designing your life. And, you know, just like Ed's essay, like he's woven things in there and he has purpose in all things, even when we can't see it right away. Um, all of our days are known by God, his hand is on your life, is on your kids' lives to guide you, to keep you, to protect you. And nothing this fallen world can throw at us is going to change that ever. Um, besides my own dad, um, Damien Kyle, is somebody that I absolutely love. And I listened through his teaching on Psalm 139. He said, um, so when you back up a little, he's talking about the darkness and the light. He says, understand that God is equally present in the light and in the dark. How we feel, whatever is hopeless to us, God is equally present in the light and in the dark, no matter what that means. Um, and he said, when David starts to look at the omnipotence of God, most people, he's get out their telescope, we're looking at the heavens, we're looking at the stars, we're looking at the skies, we're looking at these things that are vast and massive at mountains, but he says God takes out, or David takes out the microscope and focuses down on man being formed, This all these tiny cells being formed in a womb, woven together, and he said the reason that he does it is because man is the single greatest thing God ever created, the only thing created in God's image, and that applies to all of us, no matter what part in there, you know, seems to be hard. We're all originally created in his image, and nothing else in creation was created in the image of God. Um, so Swindle again had like so many sweet things to say. He said, the maker has made the moments of our lives and each moment has a purpose. 
Nothing invalidates the destiny for which you were created, not even what we would often call birth defects. Um, then he said, I, our theology, so going back to that first paragraph, our theology affects everything about us, our decisions, how we react to the circumstances in our lives, even how we behave towards one another. And right thinking demands right action, right? Like if you continue in the sorrow of the situation, if you just retreat and you're not looking to the Lord, you're not being in fellowship, you're gonna get defeated but right thinking demands right action. Um, and then he says at the end, well, close to the end, not the very end. Um, and it's interesting, my son's unsaved therapist said to us at one point, everyone has something. There's something in all of our lives that is challenging. So Swindle so says, may I be bold here? We are all disabled. Some disabilities are more difficult to hide than others. Most of us do a great job at keeping our disabilities safely concealed, which can be a major problem. But we all have special needs. Thankfully, we have a savior who looks directly at each one of us, seeing us, who we, seeing us for who we are and valuing us as his own prized creation. So I feel like that is, that's gotta be the takeaway, right? We're God's prized creation. I remember one of my like, lowest moments going and sitting in my dad's office and just like crying about everything that was going on he was like the lord gave him to you and you're doing a good job he could have been bored into a situation where he would have been hurt or abused or uncared for you're observing who he is and how god made him and you're doing a good job and i didn't feel like that was true <laughs> at that point um but again this the path of the God that God lays out for us, I never, if I knew <laughs> what that path was going to be, I never would have chosen it. I never would have sat next to Ruth on the plane. <laughs> um, but the sweetness that has been born out of it, um, people we've been able to talk to, the friendships that the Lord has woven into our lives because, because of it are irreplaceable. Um, and just that all of our days are laid out and have purpose and it's just that to me was amazing reading this verse in light of what was going on and knowing the Lord wove him together with plan and purpose it's not a mistake there's part of the fallen world that plays into what's going on but that doesn't mean there's not plan and purpose